1: Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. A note to listeners, today's episode mentions sexual assault.
3: I got some unfortunate news to report for you guys, it's looking like the city lost another legend, I'm seeing multiple reports that Debbie Gang has passed away from a fentanyl overdose.
2: Toronto Debbie Gang aka Debbie Parkway, Debbie Gang hailed from Toronto, Ontario. Today, Toronto and the entire world have lost a gem. Multiple reports are claiming that she was battling a rare mental health illness and was addicted to drugs. One of her fans announced, OMG, Toronto's icon Debbie passed away yesterday. Rip Dot. I hope this
3: brings awareness to people that are still um, using drugs or just using
0: fentanyl directly.
3: You guys all knew Debbie was addicted to drugs. Why didn't you guys get her the help that
1: she needed?
0: Congrats, 6 Buzz TV. You guys have officially killed Debbie. Justice for Debbie. Take down 6Buzz once and for all.
1: Take down 6Buzz once and for all. That was the petition. It got hundreds of signatures. People wanting justice for Debbie. People who blamed Sixbuzz for Debbie's death. But what is Sixbuzz? Who was Debbie Gang, a.k.a. Debbie Parkway, a.k.a. Debbie from Toronto? And who killed her? Wait for it. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Mark McCoy, Ken Shaljo, Loran Hutton, Matthew Day, Amaya Snowden, Christopher lynch Ahmed Al-Talibi, and LJ.
0: My name is LJ, and I'm a Sessional Instructor in Vancouver. I support Canada Land because when I was new to Canada, I wasn't sure where to find critical takes on the mainstream media. A friend pointed me to Canada Land, and I've been a fan of the expanding offering of podcasts ever since. I especially appreciate comments for their deep dives on issues like policing.
1: I've been fascinated with Six Buzz since I first laid eyes on it, maybe four years ago. Our deputy editor at the time, Jaron Kerr, brought it to my attention. What he showed me wasn't a rival website. It wasn't a news organization. It was an Instagram account. An Instagram account with an audience that was bigger than the readership of most news sites. And it had a different audience than other news sites. The audience that everybody wants, but that nobody can get. Young people. This is the Holy Grail in the news business. How do you get young people? I have seen newspapers launch special sections. I have seen the Toronto Star sink tens of millions into a tablet app that they were certain would attract a whole new generation of readers. I have seen news organizations pander and try to talk about youth issues and try to talk in slang, and it just never, ever works. It never feels natural, and those readers never come. But Six Buzz got them. When I first saw Sixbuzz, it had thousands of them. And today, they have over 2 million followers for local Toronto coverage. But what is this coverage? What is Sixbuzz? I asked journalist Nicole Jankowski, who investigated Sixbuzz for Toronto Life magazine.
0: So Sixbuzz is, I guess, a viral meme account at its, you know... That's how it originated. It was kind of a content aggregator. And as they grew and their audience hit close to 2 million, they wanted to really branch out and really own their content, so create more original
1: stories. What you see on 6Buzz's Instagram account are pictures and tweets and video clips of people who you see all the time in Toronto, but who you almost never see in Toronto media. Teenagers people in their 20s. Black kids. Brown kids.
0: It's from the perspective of young POC growing up right in the downtown core or out in the the suburban like the sprawl.
1: Brampton, Scarborough, Mississauga and elsewhere. Six Buzz has a knack for finding random but compelling everyday stuff. Stuff that's posted to the internet by other people. Six Buzz finds it and blows it up. What kind of stuff? You know, sometimes it's a 2 a.m. brawl in a Burger King. Sometimes it's a lone individual asking the world a philosophical question.
2: Why is it y'all don't date strippers? Like, what is y'all reason?
3: Comment y'all
1: reason. Or giving the world some sage advice.
3: Hollering at a shorty is like trying to catch a Pokemon, fam. You could throw the Pokeball at the Pokemon or you could give her your number, but if she doesn't call you back, that's like the Pokemon jumping out of the Pokeball. You
1: never caught the Pokeball. Six Buzz copies and pastes other people's content and adds a line or two of commentary or, you know, maybe an open question like, y'all agree with him or nah? Or perhaps, y'all think they're beating this case? These captions are written in an effortless vernacular a distinctive Greater Toronto Area vocabulary that mixes hip-hop slang and Caribbean patois with an East Indian inflection that I should under no circumstances attempt to use in earnest or with the aid of attempted accents. Terms including fam in place of folks, "ute" in place of youth, waste ute" in place of, I guess, juvenile delinquent, mans in place of men, and... You get it, I will stop. 6Buzz posts form this like daily digest, this constant running news feed of real life moments that resonate as familiar to millions of people who are not used to recognizing themselves in the content that they see from local news companies. One milestone post in the short history of 6Buzz was a screen grab of a tweet from a woman who had just witnessed a life-changing moment in a shopping mall food court.
0: It's by someone with a Twitter handle, M Wonder, and they tweeted out, a man proposed to his girlfriend in the STC food court, which is Scarborough Town Centre, while they were eating junior chickens. I'm tired of Scarborough.
1: East End fairy tale, commented one 6Buzz reader. That reader was Drake. 6Buzz exploded in popularity and they started making real money. They sold sponsored Instagram posts to brands for as much as $10,000 a post. Often sponsored posts were not identified as such. They launched a music label and scored a two-album deal with Warner. They cut a deal with Bell Media to develop the Much Music digital relaunch. And they branched out further.
0: So their main... Instagram handle is Six Buzz, but they have all these like affiliate accounts. So they have six foods. They have six angels, which if you're filming a rap music video in the city and you want to hire some ladies for your music video, you can go to them. They're a street casting agency for that. They have <laughs> motorsports that are like water sport rentals that you can rent from them now.
1: SixBuzz became one of the most successful digital media startups in Canada. Toronto Life magazine assigned a reporter to do a write up. Typical questions were asked, including Who are you? And that right there was a problem. The founders of SixBuzz did not want to be known. Now these dudes have long been a mystery and people are always asking me, who is behind this account? Now the owner of the page, it appears he likes to keep himself under the radar. So I ain't gonna dox this Mons. But I do know he was- But their names could not stay under the radar forever. The founders of Sixth Buzz are Sarman Esagolian and Abraham, who goes by Bram, to Cabo. Two youths who say that they met as students at George Brown College, and that during a teacher's strike, they decided to drop out and dedicate their time to their Instagram account. Now, the fact is that in parts of the city, Esagolian and Takabo were known and recognized on the street and online as the SixBuzz guys. And despite this, despite the fact that their names were also associated with SixBuzz's parent company on public business registry documents, and despite the fact that they were constantly publishing the names and pictures of other people To an audience of millions, Essegolian and Takabo wished to remain anonymous.
0: In the end, like, you know, their names were already public. Bram also wears a very large diamond six-buzz pendant from Kalani Jewelers. It's very flashy.
1: (laughs) When he learned that Toronto Life intended to print his name, Essegolian harassed Toronto Life's reporter with dozens of messages and threats. The reporter abandoned the piece, and Toronto Life assigned somebody else to the story. This time, it was Esagolian's co-founder, Abraham Takabo, who sent the threats. And once again, that reporter bailed as well. Finally, Nicole Jankowski took on the story. She struck up contact with Abraham Bram Takabo.
0: I did receive a text message from Bram telling me to uh, stop asking about Six Buzz. You know, we had a bit of a a tense back and forth where I tried to push him to speak to me, to talk about the business, about what it was they were building, about what their goals were. And, And he said he wasn't going to. And I really had to push him on this. I think I had to ask like three times. But he did tell me the reason he didn't want to be named was, you know, he... He has friends who have been killed in the city, and, you know, it's, it, it's a fear that, that they have that uh, with their identities public that, you know, they could themselves become a target.
1: So why would two guys who repost funny memes be worried about being targeted? Maybe it's because they post more than just funny memes. Six Buzz also posts gang stuff. When three members of Menace Gang, M.G., from Alexandra Park, shot an early morning video of themselves outside of a Regent Park building, flaunting stacks of cash and basically daring their rivals, what are you going to do about it? Six Buzz boosted that signal, effectively publicly humiliating gang members from Regent Park for allowing such a display. Local writer and performer Mustafa the Poet tweeted, Six Buzz pits communities against each other. Then... Toronto Sun criminalizes us when we're eventually killed. It's a whole operation. There are other reasons why people might have wanted to hurt the guys behind Six Buzz. You remember Chair Girl, Marcella Zoya? She's the young woman who filmed herself throwing a chair off of a high-rise condo balcony and onto the Gardner Expressway, leading to criminal charges and a later aborted appearance in a Drake video. Well, she apparently did this in the hopes of getting a repost from 6Buzz.
0: Before Chair Girl, there was another incident with a chair being thrown off a high-rise onto the gardener. And in that video, you can hear someone in the background taunting like, 6Buzz, 6Buzz, 6Buzz. And that video was filmed to submit to their account. It was posted. And then the incident... With Chair Girl. That happened just a couple of weeks later in, in what I would think is the copycat.
1: So at some point, SixBuzz went from an account that would repost content that you know people were making anyhow, to a brand that people would make content for in the hopes of being reposted. Sixbuzz says that they get up to two thousand direct messages a day from people who want their content featured. Sixbuzz did not invent this format. World Star Hip Hop is a massively popular website, predates Instagram. That began by sharing things like street fight videos, but then came to inspire them. Increasingly, people started filming altercations while chanting World Star, and some fights were clearly staged for the purpose of making it onto World Star. And like World Star, Sixbuzz generates celebrities of a kind. Some have gotten sort of famous by being reposted in videos by Sixbuzz, and some have gotten sort of famous for their contributions to the Six Buzz comment section, which are an absolute free-for-all. So looking at this cast of characters, these local celebs who have uh, used Sixbuzz as a springboard, some have gone on to make money as rappers or in the influencer business, but most of them are just in it for the influence itself the clout. And that brings us to Debbie. Debbie gang or Debbie Parkway or Debbie from Toronto researching Debbie videos and trying to figure out like a timeline is kind of a nightmare. Her own Instagram account has been set to private, and it seems that SixBuzz has also made their reposting of her uh, inaccessible to the public. Which is not to say that you cannot find Debbie videos. There are tons, videos and reaction videos. Most of them were not posted by Debbie, they were posted by other people making fun of her. The earliest I could find is from September, 2018. And what you see here is a baby-faced, chipmunk-cheeked kid. Uh, hard to say how old from the video. She could pass for 12. Turns out she was 15. And what she's doing in the video is she's talking a lot of shit.
2: Well, lately I got a message for all you fake fucking rappers. You act like you from the streets. You act like you money. You don't have shit, dog. Like, I'll fucking box you the fuck out. I've lived the street life I fucking understand there. Fuck off.
1: Debbie is white has a goofy page boy haircut, and looks in that video like she might be filming herself in her mom's suburban kitchen. The way that she looks clashes so much with the way that she talks that it's funny. People found Debbie funny. Six Buzz found her funny, and soon she was a regular personality on their page.
3: What do you look for in a man?
2: I have a man, but as long as you're making dollies, that's all that matters. I can't fuck with these broke boys. Mm -hmm. If you ain't selling jugs, don't talk to me.
1: The joke of Debbie fronting as a dangerous street thug was retold with slick production values in a music video released in October 2018 by Toronto rapper Bully, about a year before he was shot dead on Christmas Eve. This video starts with Debbie in a hoodie outside of a housing complex, swaying menacingly and cradling a huge stack of cash.
3: You you guys
2: bands. <laughs> <laughs> e- like, oh. What is it then? Like, I did you know what it is. I you know what time it is. Ten
1: down my Most videos you'll find of Debbie are a lot more lo-fi than that bully video. The thing that made Debbie novel as a local internet personality is that just about anybody could do a video with her. She could often be found on the street, at Young and Dundas, in front of the Eaton Center, around Lawrence Heights, the neighborhood known as Jungle, and outside of random subway stations. People would recognize her, whip out their phones, and goad her. She could be counted on to take the bait. Wow. Well,
2: awesome. I'm you with Debbie. To he TV. just said go suck yeah. your He just said suck yourself. It's okay. Get out of the clay, then. Whoa!
1: Some people tried to get her riled up into fight mode just for a laugh, only to retreat when she really got going.
2: No gotcha. shit, you're gonna try to fight me? Oh, oh, but the thing is, I'm waiting till he touches me because the I do is self-defense. If I set this guy down, I'll put you on life support.
1: But there are videos of her taking a beating. This one made it to World Star Hip Hop, who reposted it.
2: What? Ah. What? You know what
1: the...
0: The karate kid.
1: Debbie went international. You know, normally you would hope that a video of a teenage girl being assaulted, as people watched and laughed, would not make for the most fun, popular, viral content. But a combination of factors somehow made it seem okay for thousands of people to share these clips. I mean, for one thing, Debbie often seemed to be the instigator of conflicts. And she'd get up in guys' faces. She used the N-word, dared them to take the first swing. A caption added by Worldstar to that clip claimed that she had accused her Asian attacker of spreading the coronavirus before he beat her up. Who knows? Debbie's sightings in Toronto were frequent. And people could boost their own profiles online by filming a Debbie clip that went viral. There are videos of Debbie staggering around Toronto, obviously under the influence. There's a video of Debbie gulping a fistful of Xanax pills. There's a video of Debbie confronting some people and then having fireworks shot at her. There's a video of a group of cops violently arresting her. It became like, local legend, Debbie, where will she pop up next? One time, somebody drove Debbie out to Drake's mansion on the bridal path and filmed her on the street, hollering at his house, calling him out.
2: You guys see these guys are t- trying to tell me to leave because Drake didn't want it. Drake knows I could crush him and ball any day. Drake's a fucking peon, bro. Drake knows I run the city out here. Come on now, Drake. Come on. Come outside, f**k. Come outside, f**k.
1: Within the subgenre of rap beefs, where opponents are supposed to be evenly matched, and where Drake graduated from beefing with Meek Mill and Pusha T to Kanye, well, Drake versus Debbie, that was a fun joke. But it worked. Debbie's name got a boost that night. Drake actually responded.
3: Debbie, don't pull up to my crib on game day talking about you're gonna sauce me and shit. Like, you cursed my old jumper today. like. You know what I'm saying? I don't like all that energy, like, negative energy, man. Keep that energy away from me, man. Stop pulling them to my crib when they have games to win and shit.
1: Around that time, various local internet media entities, Scarbuzz, Six Star, it's hard to tell which. There are dozens of Six Buzz clones out there. Somebody saw a dollar to be made from managing Debbie Parkway, working directly with her to make content not just reposting her content for clicks. And she begins to appear in a slew of interviews with various local YouTubers and influencers. These clips look different than her street videos. Debbie looks healthier. Her hair's been done. She's flashing shiny jewelry and goofing around with her interviewers. Her hosts are all obviously having a laugh at her, but they also crave her clout. Her audience is way bigger than theirs. At least in these videos, she seems to be having fun and seems to be in on the joke. They're easier to watch than her street videos. They also have fewer views.
2: No, 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 chill with that. I'm loyal to my man, but my past man's fucked them.
3: Okay, so i seen that you pulled up to Drake's house. Have you ever met Drake before? Like, how was that? Nah, what made you want to do that?
2: What made me want to do that is I don't laugh with him. I can't talk too much. Let's just say he landed on one of my boys.
3: I've seen, like, comments and stuff. A lot of people don't like it when you use the N-word. What makes you feel like it's okay to say that? Because uh, obviously you're not... Black, You're, you are white. So what makes you feel like it's okay to say?
2: I expect you, but don't ever call me white, okay? You white people don't belong over here. But, yo, I grew up as small as my whole life, you know what I mean? It's the way that I grew up. I grew up in the hood, and people don't understand that.
1: Inevitably, Debbie tried rapping. With somebody's help and funding, she shot a video. A diss track, of course, calling out American rapper Lil TJ. And listener, I tell you this. As a rapper, Debbie was not terrible.
2: TJ, you don't want no Polly. I be with some Molly. And we off the Molly. Shout out Robin Ben. Why say I'm moving, Watson? I know a couple YGs. If I need a body, I'm not talking YG. Hot five beside me. We Girls put the kid in half like the. I can't fuck with little coming after my for your hummus,
1: know. Then came a moment where it actually seemed like Debbie might have the last laugh, where it actually seems possible that she might flip the mockery and the hate into a lucrative. Bonafide media career,
2: like what's going on? What's
1: what's yeah, going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, I just i right I'm,
2: I'm making big moves. Like for I'm real. playing around with this and stuff. For real, stuff, yeah. for you real, know? for so real. Give it two years, I'll be in L.A. Trust me on that. For not. real, <laughs> LA? yo,
1: you'll be in L.A. Yo,
2: trust. I'm taking all the madness out the hood. For real, yo. <laughs>
1: like, but that's not what happened. Help as the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get ten percent off of your first month at BetterHelp.com/CanadaLand. That's BetterHelp.com/CanadaLand. In her final video appearance, Debbie was back on the street. Like most Debbie videos, it happened randomly when Instagram influencer Saif Shawaf was trying to shoot a video for his 353,000 followers. He went to Young and Dundas with a sign that read, make me cry, take $100. And that's where he ran into Debbie. As it turns out, that first video was not shot in her mother's suburban kitchen. She said she was raised in group homes,
2: I, but I've been in and out of group homes my whole fucking life. I'm at a point where I'm just fucking tired of everything, you know what I mean? I've never had nobody there for me. They just fucking kicked me out on the street.
1: She said that she was broke. Despite her fame, despite her boasts, there's no jewelry left. She had zero cents to her name. In the shelter where she'd been staying, she said they threw her out.
3: What about family, like family, brothers, mom, sisters?
2: Mom died because of cancer, and my dad raped me as a fucking kid, you know what I mean? My family never cared. My dad would let random guys come in the crib and fucking touch me. They not give a fuck, out. Yeah, that's why I'm so fucked up,
1: man. Debbie told Sooff that her mom died of cancer, and that her father had raped her, and allowed his friends to molest her. That's why, she explained, she's so messed up. Why don't you get a job, Sooff asked her. She said that nobody would hire her because of her face tattoo. How about getting a job? Is it is it difficult?
2: Because of face tats, people don't want to hire people with tats on their face and shit. You know?
1: She tells him a lot, but he doesn't cry. She asks him for five dollars anyhow, and he gives her twenty.
2: I have twenty. Just please don't spend it on drugs. I swear to God, I won't. Just spend it on food, okay?
1: Debbie died of a reported fentanyl overdose six days later, on November 2nd, 2021. Her name was never Debbie. It was Alexis, Alexis Matos. She was 18 years old at the time of her death, 15, it seems, when 6Buzz first began featuring her videos.
3: I don't know why you guys all knew Debbie was addicted to drugs. Why didn't you guys get her the help that she needed? well you know how the game goes man once you die everybody misses you everybody loves you everybody cared about you it's all fake man it's all effing fake i ain't really got much to say i don't really feel nothing about it r.i.p debbie though that's all i gotta say and i'm saying hopefully you junkie rappers use this as a lesson stop doing all these crazy drugs stick to weed on alcohol but anyways man let me know your thoughts in the comment section hit that like hit that share hit that subscribe button hit that notification bell you done not know
1: As soon as the death of Alexis Matos was even rumored, SixBuzz was widely condemned. A petition popped up to cancel SixBuzz. It's not clear who this petition would be sent to or who supposedly had the power to cancel them. Somebody started a GoFundMe campaign to pay for the funeral. Another funeral GoFundMe popped up, seemingly from SixBuzz, asking people to raise $50,000 for an elaborate funeral which is what they imagined Debbie would have wanted. Six Buzz kicked in $2,500 of their own. That effort has since disappeared. In the end, the city of Toronto paid for her funeral. But who is responsible for her death? Here again is Nicole Jankowski.
0: I mean, I think people are responsible for their own individual actions. I mean, addiction is a really cruel disease and i would say that six buzz isn't any more responsible for her death than you know politicians <sighs> than the way our healthcare industry maybe treats addicts which is um, getting a little bit better with access to methadone but i don't think that six buzz is i i would prefer to blame you know politicians or like a system that's bigger than just Six Buzz.
1: During the same time that social media in Toronto was talking about little else but the death of Debbie Gang, Toronto's newspapers paid it no notice. With the exception of the Toronto Sun, which described Debbie as a vulnerable girl clearly struggling with addiction and homelessness who was exploited and bullied when Six Buzz and others reposted her videos. And in the online version of that story, the Toronto Sun reposted some Debbie videos. We sent the founders of Six Buzz questions, asking them about the threats that they sent to Nicole and about how they felt morally okay boosting Debbie's videos to a massive audience when she was clearly sick, homeless, addicted, underage, and obviously not benefiting from the exposure. And one of them, Bram, wrote us back, not with answers to our questions, but to say this, literally began one of the newest media organizations in Canada with $250 to my name. One of the few successful Black-owned ones, if not the only successful one. And the city I do it for still manages to villainize me. There is not much winning that we can do, especially in a white man's playing field, which is why I'm constantly turning down other media requests. Bram didn't get into how he justifies what Sixbuzz did to Debbie. But I can't play dumb here or play innocent. I just played you videos. I know how a publisher justifies doing that. It goes like this. People are making content of themselves every day and begging media outlets to share it. This content is already public. It exists whether we boost it or not, whether we report on it, whether we analyze it or not, it still exists out there in public. And if our job or part of it is to reflect the real world and the real people in our communities, well, then this content is an increasingly big part of our world, part of the conversation. I mean, is it better to ignore it? Is it better to only show celebrities and politicians? I will make that argument myself. Every publisher makes that argument. And journalists make it too. I asked Nicole Jankowski how she and Toronto Life explained their decision to publish the names and photos of the founders of SixBuzz, even though they claimed that that kind of exposure could get them killed.
0: In the end, like, you know, their names were already public. They had been circulated on social media before. It's really not difficult to find out who they are with, you know, like a few minutes of searching. And so I felt like, you know, people in the community already knew who they were. You can't, run a media outlet and be anonymous, and also hide behind anonymity and treat people badly. And there needed to be some sort of accountability.
1: They were already public on the internet, if you knew where to look. And they were no angels. They treated people badly in public. You can't act like that and then get mad at Nicole just for drawing more attention to what's already out there. I agree. But I also know that that is the exact argument that SixBuzz could make for why it was okay to exploit Debbie. SixBuzz did not dox Debbie. Alexis Matos was acting out on public streets and posting public videos of herself on social media. What happened is not even a Toronto specific phenomenon. To greater and lesser extents, there are similar social media accounts existing in cities across Canada doing the exact same thing. Are all of those accounts similarly responsible when things go sideways?
0: I like to think that what I wrote was a little more nuanced than (laughs) what they do, which is like post videos without a lot of context or background. But definitely, like it occurred to me, okay, we're publishing their names and photos of them. You know, like this is going to get a lot of clicks. Honestly, I was a little disappointed they didn't put their faces on the cover.
1: <laughs> Alexis Matos made videos of herself. Sixbuzz made Instagram posts with those videos. Nicole and Toronto Life wrote a magazine article about Sixbuzz's Instagram, and now I'm making a podcast about all of it. It seems to me that we're all just making content here. That is your Canada land. If you like it, please support us. You can email me at jesse at CanadaLand.com. I read every email that you send. We are on Twitter at Canada Land and our website is Canadaland.com where you can find a new episode this week from Commons, who are doing an incredibly revealing and astonishing and surprising season on mining, on Canadian mining. There's good shit there. Check it out. This episode was produced by Tristan Capicione with Damalola Oname. Our senior producer is Sarah Larniuk. Our managing editor is Kieran Oudshorn. Special thanks to Dory Smith and to Katie Hernandez. Our theme music is by So-Called Syndication as handled by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. Hey, if you like Canada Land, please support it.